If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multi-Amory Podcast. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we are talking about Zen and the art of first dates. We're talking about the right kind of mindset to be in, in going into first dates, not only to make them become something that's fun rather than terrifying, which a lot of people think of them as, uh, but also to have the most success on your first dates. And by success, I mean representing yourself in the most honest possible way and finding the best real connections with people, not success in terms of like getting the most people to like you, because that's really not not the goal here if you are following the path of Zen and the art of first dates. <laughs> and with that, I am Jace. I'm Emily. I'm Dedeker. I like that you put us in this nice, like yeah. smooth jazz kind of Zen mood. Isn't it funny how I can just I just put on my Zen tone of voice, and you're like, "Yeah, I get it." Yeah, yeah I'm all about I'm very it. Zen'd out right now. <laughs> so Good. it's interesting because I, just talking about the topic of going on dates in general. Um, I mean, good lord! Like looking at Western culture and like our whole courtship rituals that we've developed in the past fifty years or so is just so interesting. Um, yes, just earlier today, so the- Dedeker and I were sending each other images that we found like online on Pinterest of like awful mainstream dating advice, you know, image macros. <laughs> oh god, because there's a, there's exist? a lot. Of awful, oh, it's so oh, god, oh. so bad. I'll, I'll send you some things. It's the worst. It's so do. bad. I want to see the shit. Um, Sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to. But something that that I think is interesting is that, like, realistically, it's kind of like what the traditional options are if you're monogamous and you're single is like either you date and you date with the intention of not getting in a relationship with somebody, but maybe being able to have sex, perhaps, you know? And so. The aim of dating is very much about, like, let's keep everyone at arm's distance. Let's make sure no one gets too close. Let's make sure we're very upfront of, like, just looking for something casual, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then Don't the other option... just, like, hanging out, too? Is that what the kids call it these days? Like, I think they call it Netflix and chill. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Like, it's, it's like hanging out, dating, you know, with this intention of keeping people at a distance, because if they got close, that would mean you'd have to be monogamous and you'd have to stop seeing other people. You have to stop seeing other people. Yeah. But so then the other option being, of course, like you're searching for a monogamous partner, you know, someone who I guess in theory, you know, you want to find the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. And so dating becomes kind of less of like, Hey, like going on dates, meeting new people, good times and becomes more of like auditions for my life mm. partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of pressure <laughs> um, put on those ones. Yeah. For sure. Exactly. And also the interesting thing being that like you go, you head into dating with the specific purpose of, I want to stop dating. Yeah. That's um, a good point. Right. You know, cause some people, as you pointed out, Jay, some people do find it like really terrifying and stressful and just like, no, like I don't want to be going on all these first dates. It makes me really nervous. Oh, yeah. Like I hate this whole song and dance of first dates. And so, <laughs> The interesting thing being when we were talking about this episode before recording it is that we realize like when you're poly, 
you actually get a lot of practice with first dates. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. and you, you can actually start to really enjoy them. Yes, exactly. And so I guess what I, the question that I want to toss out to you guys is the question that I get from a lot of people who are learning about polyamory, which is like, well, if you're in a relationship already, when do you choose to go on a first date? Like, are you always going on first dates? Are you always trying to date new people? Like, when do you stop? When is it enough? Sorry, that was like 10 questions, but go. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, well, there's definitely a lot of different answers to that. Uh, something that we talked about way back when, um, after I read Dwayne Lehman's book, uh, one of the things that he was talking about was whatever your relationships are, reserving one night a week that's your week, or like your night of the week, hmm. for meeting new people, going on dates, or just spending it by yourself. But that like he kind of... He put it out there as, like, it's important to have that time to be meeting new people, uh, you know, even if it is kind of more casually dating, getting to know people, as, I think, as a way of not ending up in that trap of, of like, saying that you want to be poly, but then never actually going out and doing it, sure. or or the other trap of, you know, being poly and maybe having other partners that are poly and becoming too needy of them, because you're sort of like, well, I'm good with these two or these three or whatever, but maybe they have a lot of other stuff going on or they're dating other people, and so you get kind of clingy to them. Uh, so anyway, when I read that, that was something that I was like, huh, I'd never thought about thinking about making time for first dates being something as like a self-care, self-maintenance sort of thing. But I think for other people, you know, they're in relationships with people or have been in relationships themselves and are like, I'm dating, wait too much or they're dating way too much and i have no time to you know to maintain the relationships i have right like what do you think emily well yeah i will say that like i right now am in a musical i have three restaurant jobs <laughs> i have a monogamous relationship well semi-monogamous <laughs> monogamous. I say it's, it's monogamous yeah right um it, where you know i see this person on a regular basis slash i live with them um, and then I'm also with, uh, you know, I, I go on dates with women um, from time to time, but I really don't have that much time to spend with them. So when I'm going out with these people, something that I feel like I need to probably project more to them is to say like, hey, I am not that I'm not going to be able to have or spend that much time with you, honestly, because mm-hmm. I'm doing all of these other things. I I work I've worked like seven days a week for the last three months. I was out of town for the last two weeks, and yeah. I just don't have a lot of time. So well, yeah, sometimes people are in that place, right? Well, and that's, and that's okay a good too. example, exactly what you just described. Of like, yeah. it's not always the fact that you're dating so many people that you don't have time to date new people, but it could be other things in your life, like yes. working your zillion jobs and being in a musical and, and all that. Yeah, yeah. You know that. Yeah, there's totally. lots of different factors. Absolutely. And that's okay, too. I mean, if you just don't have time to date anyone at that particular moment, that's fine. But um, if you are, if you do happen to, like, meet someone special, maybe it's wise to at least, like, give them an indication of how much time you would have to spend with them. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, when, you know, I get asked that kind of question a lot of, like, you know, when is when is when do you have enough time to date people or like do you sure. ever have enough time to date new people or is your time taken up by dating 10 new people um 
I guess it tends to be that, like, because for me personally, I find that, like, if I have established relationships, if I have, like, two or three established relationships, I tend to not seek out new dates. Yeah. However, if an opportunity comes up, like, I do meet somebody just by chance or somebody asks me out, like, then I will usually make the effort of, like, saying yes to that. Still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and sometimes we'll... people fall on your lap. <laughs> Right. Like, well, literally and figuratively. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. Sometimes you're like, hey, hello there. And then you, maybe you make time for them because it is important to you as much time yeah. as you possibly can. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you live a little bit more in the world of relationship anarchy that we might talk about a little sure. bit later in this episode, where it's not so clear who are people you're dating and who are just your friends that, you know, maybe it could be like, hey, I've known this person for a while and now all of a sudden there's a potential for something else in this relationship. Yeah. Uh, you know, for a new dynamic to be added to it, which makes it feel more like a date. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely lots of different ways that can look. It doesn't always have to be, if you're, like, open to going on first dates, it doesn't mean that you're out actively looking for them all the time. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, it could look like that, but it doesn't have to. Well, I feel like, Jace, weren't you mentioning to me that, like, you and Eric were recently having a conversation about, like, when is the time that you feel like you have the energy or the motivation to, like, go Mm. seek out dates versus when is it that you just want to sit home and play video games? Sure, yeah. (laughs) What was that conversation about? uh, It wasn't about any particular factors that go into that, but just saying, just kind of talking to each other about how it goes in a cycle. That it's... You know, sometimes it's like, yeah, I'm really interested to meet people and I want to connect with people and I want to have fun, sexy times with more people or whatever it is. And there's other times where it's like, yeah, I could do that, but I'd rather just play this video game that I'm into right now (laughs) or right. Or I'd rather just like have a couple friends over and and have like whiskey and cigars or, you know, like whatever it is, like I want to do something else that's not that. Yeah. Uh, so just just that it kind of fluctuates, it it changes over time. I think there can be also an effect. Um, God, I think Elizabeth Chef coined this term as like poly excitement or something like that. Somebody called it this, but kind of like when someone's newly poly and they realize mm. that they can date anyone, right? Um, that they just kind of go nuts and like go out and and go a little crazy and like say yes to everything, which can right. be quite fun. Um, Interesting. But yeah. then then once they realize like, oh gosh, I'm in ten like semi casual dating relationships, you right? Know, and I'm so overwhelmed give. with keeping up with yeah. all of these. Yeah, with all of yeah, them. Yeah. I, exactly. I, I, this reminds me. I learned a great term the other day. I don't know if you guys have heard this one before, but it's expiration dating. Oh, yeah, oh, I've wait. heard that. Yes, I have heard that. Yeah, I've I had never sure. heard the term before, but it makes perfect sense. It's that thing of, like, there's that person you're friends with, maybe you've always been interested, and you find out that they're moving away in a month or something, yes. and then all of a sudden you ask them out and, like, date them. But it's expiration yeah. dating, which I think is yeah, a hilarious name for it. That's um, yes, there's an ending definitely. point on it, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so let's talk about the benefits of first dates. Like, why is it that first dates are are so magical are so exciting and and like what are the things that you can focus on going into first dates to make you really feel good about them and really get all those benefits of first dates uh and then after the break on the second half we're going to talk a little bit more about some things to avoid and be mindful of going into first dates how to go in with a better zen state of mind well first dates are always kind of a clean slate 
Um, you mm-hmm. get to go into a first date and kind of be whomever you want to be, which is not to say that you should be like someone completely separate from yourself, right. but yeah. it, it kind of allows you to be potentially like the best version of yourself. It's a little exciting. There's a little adrenaline going on. Like it's this kind of heightened situation, um, where you don't really know what to expect. And I've found that. Uh, it, when it's really jiving and like really going well, it is sort of this like fun ego boost in that way as well. It's like wow, I'm I'm like this very intelligent, very like I don't know, interesting person, and you get to see that <laughs> through another person's eyes, and it's kind of awesome to view that. It's not a thing that you get to do on a regular basis unless you're kind of in that specific situation. Yeah, yeah, I I, 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 really I like, love those moments of like, yeah, huh, I never knew that part of myself was interesting. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> like, <laughs> pointed it out. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, I was gonna say like, I really like. I mean, I kind of really like offering that to the other person to a certain extent. I I really enjoy like kind of almost like getting to discover somebody new. It's almost like like showing up to a new place or like showing up to a new city and getting to discover it. You know, it's kind of like after you've lived in the same city for 10 years and like maybe you love your city, but then when you go somewhere new and you get to kind of discover all the new places that this place has to offer, like it's really interesting. It's really exciting. Exactly. Um, Emily, what you were talking about with kind of like showing your best self and also maybe seeing that other person as their best self, it reminds me of um, something that the philosopher Alan Watts said. Yeah. uh, Well, he he talks about specifically like about those kind of precious moments at the very beginning of a relationship when everything is so new and everything is so fresh. And particularly maybe after you've gone on a couple dates or you've been dating somebody for a little while and you're starting to fall in love with them. um, You know, he says that like most people talk about that time as ultimately being kind of delusional. Um, Mm. You know, because you're in the throes of of NRE, of new relationship energy, energy, and you're experiencing all these hormones, all these chemicals, you know, and so of course, like, you see this person as, like, brilliant and perfect and amazing, but then Ellen Watts points out that, like, but maybe that's, like, the only time that we actually see a human being for what a human being actually is, which is kind of inherently, like, good or inherently perfect or inherently whole before we start focusing on the flaws. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like, yes, it is delusional, but then at the same time, like, in that delusion is a little bit of zen of like, hey, like, enjoy this moment where, like, you do get to see this person as all good, and this person does get to see you as all good. Yeah, you and know? I think it, I mean, it puts a little bit of context when you're in a polyamorous relationship into potentially your other relationships, because, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, if you're, if you've been in a relationship with someone for years for example Mm -hmm. then yeah you may not get those moments with them very often Mm -hmm. but to be able to like go back and be like hey i just went on a really great first date and i got to feel all those feelings again of like what it's like to meet someone for the first time like i remember what that was like with you and Mm -hmm. you know maybe allow yourself to see them again in that light for even a moment and it's kind of lovely i've also found in in that like going on first dates and developing relationships while you still have relationships with other people. That's very interesting is, you know, we talk about not comparing people, right? It's not like a competition of seeing who's better or who's worse, but there is something where like, I might be in a relationship with someone new who I really like and, you know, it's going really well. Yeah. But still certain things about that relationship will make me notice more and be more thankful for things in my existing relationships. 
Absolutely. You know, like I'm in a new relationship and you know, all these you know, things are going great and it's really good, but there's certain things where it makes me really appreciate that connection that I have with Dedeker or that yeah. connection that I have with you, Emily. Like yeah. you know, even if it's not a, you know, a, a romantic dating relationship, it still kind of makes you go like, Oh man, I really appreciate that level of comfort or I really appreciate yes. this nerdiness we have in common or this particular sense of humor or something mm, without it being yeah. like, Oh, that means the other person's not as good. It's just yeah, not like, different. All. It just helps highlight those things. It does. I think just to kind of do one last thing of a benefit that I found, um, before we move on, mm-hmm. I've only within maybe the past year or so, I've realized this, that like NRE, I, th- I have this theory. I do think that NRE to a certain extent is a little bit transferable. Um, mm. Just in that kind of like what Emily mentioned that like maybe you go out on a first date and you're like, wow, that was great. And like, that was so cool to feel this chemistry and to be excited, you know, yeah. getting to know someone and to be excited that someone's getting to know me and that it brings up that memory of like, I remember when we were going through that, you know, if you're coming home to like an existing partner or something like sure. that, like yeah. I remember when we were going through that time. And for me, I found that, like, not only does it bring up the memory, but it's like, oh, right. Oh, my God. I'm so crazy in love with this person. Yeah. That it's kind it's of lovely. like, it, and I don't know if this is just like a weird kind of like brain hacking thing or something like that, where it's just like because your brain is suddenly producing those chemicals of excitement huh. um, that is kind of like mm-hmm. whoever is the target in its path. Look <laughs> <laughs> right. out. Yeah. Okay. You know, but, but that's something that I've really enjoyed is that I found that now, like if I'm experiencing some NRE, either from a first date or maybe from a budding relationship, that it's very easy for me when talking to my other partners to be like, wow, yeah, that's right. Oh my God. Like, this is so great. Like life is just freaking great. This is awesome. <laughs> um, which I think I say that because a lot of people get so scared of NRE for, sure. for totally reasonable, you know, reasons that <laughs> reasonable horrible. reasons yeah um <laughs> some reasonable reasons people get scared of nre because of that because it's like oh my god like my partner's getting these super intense feelings and the super intense chemical rush from someone For that's not someone me. else yeah however right. i think that like if you have that open-mindedness and that willingness to kind of explore those neural pathways that already exist in your mind that that nre can kind of flood over into your existing relationships as well. That's my personal experience. It's not the way it works for everybody. But for sure. No, well, I agree with you. I've definitely found that there's a factor of that on the other side, too. That that being the one who's scared of your partner having NRE, like not being the one who's scared of having the NRE yourself, because there can be fear on both sides of, of mm-hmm. you know hurting the existing relationships. But I've found that the more I've found ways and been able to really, like embrace and and like vicariously get excited for their Mm. nre like have that you know compersion but that like kind of feed off of their nre um Mm. that it brings me closer to them as well and it like improves our relationship and makes me feel better about those metamors that it's kind of this Mm win-win like that you're both making them feel better but also feeling better yourself yeah Um, Mm -hmm. it's definitely something that's um Worth working on, but that's maybe a whole other topic that we can yeah, do in another I think episode. That's a whole other one. Yeah. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. 
And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discrete shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping code M-U-L-T-I. Okay, so now here's the the I'm gonna just stop talking and let you guys take the entire freaking episode today. I don't yeah. know what is wrong with me. Emily, Emily, take the wheel. Oh, take God. the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah, you mean the opposite of Jesus. So <laughs> Emily, the Emily opposite is of the Jesus. Antichrist. Yeah, apparently I'm the Antichrist. You heard it here first, folks. I did go to the Vatican when I was in Italy a couple Ooh. weeks ago, and I did. Oh, did they worry spit that I was upon going you? And did they, you like burst into flames as soon as I, you set foot on the ground? I definitely worried that I would. That I would. Yeah, but you did. Not gonna lie. <laughs> No, I didn't. I'm okay. still here. Cool. Thank goodness. Um, it, so yeah, I, I, something that can happen when you go into a first date, something that I think that all of us have probably at one time or another um, fallen, you know, victim to, as it were, uh, is projecting expectations on the date. I know that mm. I've had times where I've gone on some amazing first dates and then I, you know, have a new one coming up and I'm like, God, this one's going to be great, too, because that last one was, you know, with Mm -hmm. a new person. And then all of a sudden, it's not as good. Um, And it's it's disheartening. It's definitely difficult. But I think that something to be learned from that is that you shouldn't put expectations on each new person that you're going on a date with. Like, they are a separate entity. They should be viewed as such. And um, that will probably cause less heartache if you don't put those you know, expectations mm-hmm. on those different dates. Sure. Yeah. Um, and th- then the other thing kind of, the other side is not just putting the expectations on them, but putting sort of the expectations on you, false expectations on yourself. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. The, the, the way that we've talked about this before, which we got from the Dedeker and I both got from reading the book. If the Buddha dated, um, which is a great book. I, like I, I recommend it. It's, it's fantastic. It needs an update because it, it came does. out in the mid nineties. But it's if, about like if you can get past ta- them talking about put- placing personals ads. Exactly. Then what it's the a really that, really right? great book <laughs> book of um, dating advice. Right. But so so one of the things that she talks about in that book that the author talks about is this idea of putting on a mask in order to be likable, hmm. um, or in order to present the side of you that you think someone else is going to like. Um, or or that you think someone else is not going to take love away from. Uh, and yeah. the problem with this is that when you start relationships with masks on, uh, you know, kind of pretending you're something a little bit that you're not, eventually you will reach this point in that relationship, assuming it continues, that either you remove, the, you have to remove that mask and risk 
losing that relationship once you've actually mm. shown yourself that you've been hiding from them. Yeah. Or you just have to keep that mask on forever and never quite be able to have that level of connection and intimacy that you want to have. Um, mm. So this is something that I think first dates gives us an opportunity to start over in terms of not having those masks. Like, mm. I think if we think about... I know for myself, if I think about my existing relationships, I can think of some things that I've I've not been, like, as vulnerable or as upfront about that, um, you know, maybe it's just, like, a small thing about, like, messiness or about being <laughs> on time or, <laughs> right, like, whatever it is or about, like, being a crybaby or, like, you know, whatever. Like, it could be, like, little things. This doesn't have to be some, like, major thing you're keeping secret. Do you like how both Emily and I gave some wry laughs? <laughs> We're like, <laughs> both uh, like, huh, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> right. That that, um, basically that um, you, you know, I, in my existing relationships, I'm like, I have these things that I've had to sort of course correct or like fix sure. or correct those or those have come up in relationships, and they have for my partners as well. You guys are not off the hook here, uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> I always like to think of going into a first date as a chance to start again without as many of those. Hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it's so easy to fall into that trap that, for myself at least, I think it's it's maybe setting too high a standard to expect that you would not put on any masks or not try to make yourself seem better at all. Sure. But that the goal is always to do that less, to be as much your authentic self as possible. Yeah. Uh, and that I feel like every time I, you know, for me before when I was monogamous, every time a relationship would end and I start a new one, it was like a chance to be a little bit Perfect more. Perfect again? No, like a little bit more authentic as me. Oh, I see. And being okay, poly, yeah. I get yeah. that chance more often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I get yeah, that opportunity cool. more often to develop that ability to realize that I'm worth dating even as I am. <laughs> Not mm, just, yeah. you know. So, of course you are, Jace. Oh, thanks, Emily. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I totally feel that because like, I know that I've learned with each successive t- like period of my life where I'm going on first dates is that it's that it's like because I've been burned so many times in the past by putting on that mask. Yeah. Yeah. You know what happens with a lot of people and what I did for several years, like when I would go on first dates, I was so worried about people liking me that like I would really play down anything that I was afraid that they wouldn't like. Which for a long time was polyamory, huh? Well, yeah. you know, so where I yeah, would I would straight could, up yeah. like really downplay that mm-hmm. this was a part of my life, or like really downplay that this was something that I wanted because I was so afraid of rejection. Because yeah. um, yeah. let's face it, it's an easy thing to be rejected over. You know, people sure. get rejected over it all the time. But like when I was younger, I just you know didn't have the inner fortitude to, or didn't mm-hmm. think I had the inner fortitude to handle rejection. And so I would not be completely honest or not be completely forthright about the fact that polyamory was this really important part of my life or that this was the kind of relationship structure that I wanted. And yeah. it worked in saving me from rejection. <laughs> um, well, it did work in the, shor- in the short term. It <laughs> yeah. worked. In the long term, it backfired horribly because um, inevitably by the time I did become forthright about like, you know what, actually like this is the kind of relationship that I want. Like feelings were involved. There were mismatched expectations mm-hmm. and hearts would get broken on both sides, both the other person's and mine. Right. And yeah. so 
definitely through that, I've learned with each successive stage, just being more and more upfront and sometimes even brutally upfront about what my life is and what it is that I'm looking for. Yeah. And this kind of goes back to what I was saying at the beginning about successful first dates doesn't mean that the person likes you at the end. Like, that's not the measure of the success of a first date. Like, that's a good, you know, that's a fun first date. That's a rewarding first date. But I would define a good first date as being one where you are really seeing if there is a connection with this person by being as much your authentic self as possible and as much making them feel comfortable to show that to you as well. Uh, You know, obviously you don't have control over their half of it as much, um, but like that's how I would view a good first date. Because like I've had good first dates with people that we didn't date again after that, but maybe Mm, stayed mm -hmm. friends after that. Because we were honest and upfront about each other and about ourselves with each other. And, you know, it's like, well, yeah, maybe, or maybe we tried dating a little bit and it doesn't work out. But because we were more honest and upfront, we were able to maintain a friendship after that. Yeah. Um, Because we, because it allowed us to find the places where we do connect. Yeah. Rather than trying to connect, like trying to fake connection, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's cool. But we've definitely talked a lot about the being unapologetically poly on this podcast. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that goes along yeah, with yeah. what, what Dedeker was saying about just yeah. not feeling like that's a part of yourself that you should hide for their sake or like for your own sake, you shouldn't hide it, but also for their sake. Like it's, it's only going to cause more pain for both of you in the long run if you try to like downplay or, or sugarcoat that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so just to kind of quickly build off of that, because we're about to come up on time. Um, it's not just a matter of like not downplaying Polly, but also like being very forthright and honest about what is the landscape of commitments that you already have. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think in traditional monogamous dating, you know, if you're going on dates, kind of the assumption is like, well, you're looking for a long-term relationship maybe unless you stay unless time with exactly unless you state specifically like no not looking for it then the assumption is like you have a bunch of time to dedicate to a potential relationship and so that's it you know you're going to do but when with poly dating it's a little bit different you know you have existing relationships you have existing commitments and so Hmm. it's also important to be very upfront with this person that you're going on a first date with about well, like I have two existing relationships and it takes up a certain amount of my time. And I mean, you don't need to go into nitty gritty details necessary of like, I spend three nights a week with this person and then one night a week with this person. But mm-hmm. just that that person knows that you do have existing time commitments in your life. And yeah. it doesn't have to be just your relationships. That right. could be your like, job Like also. Emily's example of like, exactly. hey, right sure. now. Yeah. <laughs> my job situation and my play and all of that shit makes me have literally zero time <laughs> yeah. right. for anyone. Yeah. And sometimes that's the case. And that would happen, um, I think, often in poly-poly relationships. Like, if you're going on a first date with a polyamorous person, hopefully mm. they'll be able to say, like, here are here's what I have going on in my life, and you can counter with, okay, mm-hmm. here's what's going on in my life. Right. What can we hope to expect from each other? Yeah, well, something that we were talking about, too, in in preparing for this episode is this idea of, you know, saying, hey, these are my other commitments, like, I may not have a ton of time, but I'm interested enough in you that I wanted to meet you and see where this could go. Yeah. And that then, if, say, you do have that that date where you're like, wow, shit, like, I really like this person, Yeah. I want to see them as much as I can... 
basically either you're going to find the time, you're going to make the time, and you're going to see them, or you're not going to be able to make any more time than you thought you could, but you're still going to really like them, and they can understand that and know that. Whereas if you go in kind of downplaying your other relationships or making it seem like you have more time than you do, you know, because you're afraid that they'll not like you if you don't have yeah. enough time for them or if other people are important to you, then you get into that situation where you do really like them if that happens and you either try to find that time or you can't find that time and then they think oh well they must not like me because they i got the impression yeah. they had all this time even if you didn't say I it definitely explicitly, had that happen to me but yeah, i got the impression sure. they had all this time and now they don't so they take it personally so they must not which like is me. Mm-hmm. no fault of their own mm-hmm. but right yeah, yeah. exactly um yeah. so Jace, can if, you yes Sorry, can yeah. you teach us about relationship anarchy real quick? Is this this one what we want to end on the yeah. this idea? Uh, yeah. This is um, this is something that I've been thinking a lot about with my own sort of dating world, dating landscape. Is <laughs> is this idea of trying to very actively approach my relationships from a relationship anarchy point of view, and yeah. what that means is like the core of that is getting rid of this distinction between my friends and my partners or, and, and in the category of partners, I, I'm putting everything like everyone who has a potential for sex, basically. <laughs> and it's not really that simple because there are romantic asexual relationships, but to put it in kind of like heteronormative terms, yeah, it mm-hmm. means like the people that you might have sex with fall into this, like partners or like romantic relationships and then people that you're not going to have sex with fall into the friends category. Yeah. Um, and relationship anarchy, part of it, a big, a big part of it is getting rid of that distinction. Not meaning you're going to start having sex with all your friends, necessarily. <laughs> uh, but the getting rid of this putting a, an outside label on someone and being like, well, you're a friend, so therefore you fit in these boxes and these are the types of things we do and this is how I prioritize you. get this you. much time. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. versus your romantic partner, so you're going to get this much time and this much priority in these ways, you know, rather than separating out the, you know, bros before hoes or ch- <laughs> chicks before dicks or, like, all the bullshit about, like, the different hierarchies between friends and partners. Yeah. Doing away with all of that and instead looking at it as, like, especially if I'm in other relationships and may not have a ton of time, if I meet someone who's interesting... Just saying, like, hey, let's let's get together. I want to get to know you. And being kind of upfront. I, I try to be as upfront as I can about I don't know what kind of relationship that means. And I don't have yeah. any specific expectations that I have going into this. Yeah. Um, but I just want to see. And, like, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm not going to limit this. But I'm also not going to push it to be something that it's not. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's something that I've been trying lately. Um, kind of it ties back to that response of like, when is the right time to be going on first dates? Like, are you always going on first dates? And I would say, well, if you look at it from the relationship anarchist point of view, it's sort of like, well, every person you meet is like kind of a first date. It's true. Even if it's just like a first friend date or a first acquaintance mm-hmm. date, like getting yeah. rid of that distinction of like, what's a date mm-hmm. and what's not. I like uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just the last thing I I really liked, Jace. You've talked about this on earlier episodes, specifically when like going to poly meetups, but like kind of heading into these interactions with the intention of like, 
I'm going to meet people who are going to be like friends and acquaintances Mm -hmm. rather like I'm just going to like get to know people rather than like I'm going to find someone to date or I'm going to find someone to have sex with or I'm going to find someone who's going to be my next great love. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it's totally fine to That's want a lot those of things. Expectation to put on <laughs> yeah. Like, there's nothing wrong with wanting those things. All of us like want those things mm-hmm. at one point or another. But just that of like kind of going into it without like Emily said, you know, without this projection, mm-hmm. without, you know, trying to make sure that this person fits this role. And I think that's been a mindset that's really helped me. If I'm go- if I go on a first date and maybe like I meet the person and instantly I'm like, oh, like I'm not attracted to this person. Right. They didn't match their pictures. Or if I'm like, oh, like, I don't know. I don't know if the chemistry is there. That instead of just like checking out on the date and just thinking about like, okay, well, can- when can I bail as soon as possible? Just being like, you know right. what? Like this is a moment in time where I get to like meet, meet a new person like a new stranger like and do something i wouldn't normally do like why the heck not even if it doesn't go anywhere like i'll still enjoy it and not be bummed like that this person didn't meet like my expectation or my projection of them yeah 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 definitely i I, just to kind of go back to the story that you're talking about is going to poly meetups or like sex positive community meetups or whatever and going in like very intentionally for me with that mindset of i'm gonna make friends and meet mm-hmm. people here and maybe they'll only be friends that i talk to tonight like not even necessarily putting mm-hmm. even so much pressure of like i'm gonna meet friends that are gonna be my new best friends that i hang <laughs> out with but just like i'm gonna get to know people and talk to people and uh talk about our podcast or you know what i mean like go in kind of with like here's some things i could talk about things i'm interested in i'm gonna talk about these things and I found that not only did I meet a lot more people that when I run into them again, it's like, oh, hey, good to see you. Like, maybe if I run into them at another meetup, we have that kind of friendly connection, which then makes me already feel more at home in another social setting, which is not a place that always feels comfortable for me. Um, But I also found that I've had better luck with getting dates in that situation, too, because I'm not looking for that like i'm there as me trying to just meet other people as opposed Mm -hmm. to there as a person looking for dates who's there looking for people to date right like it kind of expands that out and broadens it a little bit yeah well that was great is (laughs) there anything else that people need to know well, they need to know that they can check us out at multiamory.com. They can send us messages. Uh, you can email us to info at multiamory.com, or you can tweet at us at multiamory. We love hearing from you. We respond to every message we get. Sometimes it takes us a little bit of time to get back, uh, but we always respond to everything, and we really appreciate the feedback that we get from you, our listeners, because it really helps us to keep making a better show, keep making the show that you want to want to see. Uh, And if you want to become more involved with our community, check out our Patreon page, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash multiamory. Thank you so much. We will see you next week. See you next week. Sayonara. Bye.